Hier in Zetsel word aan jou gebring die Radio Kaapse Kansel op 729 AM. Bezoek ons gerust by www.kaapsekansel.co.za Into me see A place where we learn about deep connection with yourself, those close to you and, and with God. In our program we deal with reality, restoration and redemption in the face of addiction. We uncover intimacy as seeing into me and the role it plays in healthy, authentic and thriving relationships. Yeah, in our 38 years of marriage, our understanding of intimacy has grown incredibly. I am Frederick Woolz. And I am Suki Woolz. Even after all those years of growing in intimacy, we still have our challenges. Mm-hmm. In our roles as licensed counsellors, we continue to learn about the crucial role of intimacy and relationships. Yes, and with the rapid development of technology, there are so many distractions such as our phones, uh, the internet and gaming that lure us into a virtual world, away from face-to-face intimate connections in the here and now. And that in turn impacts our intimacy with others, with God and ourselves. Because of these distractions, many people fall into the trap of process and substance addiction as a substitute for intimate relationships with God, others and themselves. Yes, so please join us as on our journey we travel into greater intimacy and connection, especially with those closest to us. This month we talk about what it means to have an intimate relationship with God and how that affects other relationships with ourselves, especially with our spouses and partners. Last week we spoke about what it means to have an intimate relationship with God and the impact of moving away from our hurts, habits and addictive tendencies on the intimacy we have with God and self. These are not straightforward topics and we figured we need expertise for this. It's once again our privilege to welcome Dr. Julie Slattery from the USA. She was with us last time as well, and we do want to encourage you to listen to last week's podcast to capture some of the wisdom she shared with us. The Bible says that words spoken in the right circumstances are like apples of gold in pictures of silver. Every time I listen to Julie, it reminds me of that proverb. Yeah, thank you very much, Julie, and welcome back with us. Thank you for having me. That means a lot. Thanks for saying that. <laughs> mm, yeah, so, you, you know, you have many credentials, and I will not mention them all because I think that will take up our time. <laughs> but uh, you are an author, a speaker, a, a clinical psychologist, and you offer lots of counseling and discipleship and with regards to uh, relationships and sexuality and how that fits in with uh, being spiritual truths. and mm. uh, biblical truths. Mm-hmm. Yes, and you also worked as a co-host for fa- uh, Focus on the Family for many years, and you have um, the ministry called uh, Authentic Intimacy and also Sexual Discipleship that you started with recently. Um, do you want to tell us something about these two ministries, but especially the last one, because we spoke a little bit more about uh, the other one last time, the first one? Yeah, um, yeah. So they're all really part of one ministry, Authentic Intimacy. Uh, uh, Authentic Intimacy, that web platform is really more for 
the person who's looking for help in, in their marriage or um, just with sexual sexual issues, wanting to find God's truth um, on anything related to sexuality, whether it's culture, um, singleness, marriage, brokenness. And then sexualdiscipleship.com is a new leader platform that we launched uh, last year that is really training uh, vocational lay leaders around the world how to approach sexual issues with a gospel perspective and with a discipleship mindset. Mm. And so instead of seeing it as, hey, we just need to get rid of the problem of pornography, Mm. Mm -hmm. it's really training how do we help people connect their relationship with the Lord, their walk with the Lord, their intimacy with God, to how they're addressing sexuality in their life and in culture. Mm. And so um, it's a... The way I say it is authentic intimacy is like a restaurant that you go to to eat food that's been prepared, <laughs> content that's been prepared, and then sexual discipleship is taking you in the kitchen and teaching you how to cook. Oh. So um, so that's kind of the way I tell people the difference between the two. I love um, the way you look at that. It's not a problem-centered, it's a, uh, it's a solution-centered. So instead of looking at the problem, you're looking at God and the relationship with God, and you're taking it from that perspective. It makes a lot of sense. Mm. Yeah, just from, yeah. Uh, thank you, Julie, from Suki and I's uh, personal experience, and uh, many of our listeners um, have a struggle, and specifically with uh, sexual sexuality, and struggle with one partner being in a, an addiction, with a background of porn and sexuality. But today, I'd like us to explore the impact, and especially the impact of porn and sexual addiction, on intimacy with our spouse, um, with regards to sexuality. Absolutely. Where do we start, I guess? As you said now, we start <laughs> yeah. from God, that I could hear, but maybe you yeah. can give us more guidance on that. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So that's um, that's kind of a broad, a broad question. Mm-hmm. So let me think of the best way to address it. You know, I think one of the things that, um, that I really believe and have learned more and more and more is that at some level we all have sexual brokenness in our lives. Mm. And it's more easily identified with things like pornography, um, with things like having experienced sexual trauma. And so there's things that we immediately say, oh, that's sexual brokenness. But I think the more hidden sexual brokenness is that almost to a person, we don't understand the fullness of God's revelation within our sexuality. We don't mm. understand the fullness and the, the beauty of his design. Mm. And so, um, for example, as a married couple, you can say, oh, okay, I got over my pornography problem, but do you still in your marriage uh, experience the fullness of what God has given you to experience as a husband and wife and understand how it reveals the nature of God's love to you. And, um, and so a lot of the way that we address a topic like pornography and again, there is there is a time and a place to just say, hey, let's let's have one focus on pornography and how do you beat pornography. But our approach is more: let's look at what God designed sex to be mm-hmm. to begin with, mm-hmm. uh, and how it's been distorted by our culture, how it's been distorted by our personal experiences. Because if we don't know what we're working toward and we don't realize the spiritual battle 
uh, around how sex has been tainted in our hearts and minds, then it really is, it does become just the self-control, you know, Lord, help me not to do this again, mm-hmm. instead of mm-hmm. God, renew my mind and help me to start moving towards the fullness of what you designed this to be in my life. Mm. So uh, I see, especially in my own life and my journey uh, against uh, porn and sexual addiction, that the the sexual addiction is actually just the symptom. And um, right. b- because of our distortion uh, from the culture, we we really struggle to do it something, do it differently. And um, and because of our culture that distorts sexuality, uh, and especially going giving us uh, pornography as the substitute for intimacy, um, there is a big struggle uh, also in our relationship of what does it look like to have healthy sexuality after porn? I mean, we've stopped the, the struggle of, of watching porn, but we still have a struggle with our sexuality or healthy sexuality. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's not just the culture that has distorted sexuality for us. I think in some cases, even the church has distorted sexuality for us um, because of some of the limited teaching that we've gotten, some of the silence. Um, but a lot of a lot of Christians believe that sex is only about keeping the rules. And so as long as I'm no longer looking at porn, I'm keeping the rules. I'm not, I'm not offending God. Mm. And, uh, and so that focus on just the rules not only makes us more legalistic in how we view sex, but if you have sexual brokenness, if you have sexual sin in your life, there's a feeling that I can never really be forgiven mm. because it's kind of been set up as the worst thing you can do. Mm. And so, uh, and so and I love what you said that pornography is, it's just a symptom. Uh, it's a symptom of, of a dysfunctional relationship with God. It's a symptom of, I've learned this is how I, this is how I've learned to find life and to find pleasure. And so um, until we realize, like we talked about on last week's program, we all have these different symptoms in our life mm. that ultimately point to a disordered relationship with God. Then you realize that it's not just the husband that has the porn problem that needs help. It's the, it's both people. Mm. Uh, they both need to be called to maturity, um, to what does it look like to love each other with the love of Christ, mm. um, what does restoration look like and forgiveness look like. And then you start taking steps towards, okay, well, a healthy sex life in marriage is not just the absence of porn. Mm-hmm. What is it? What is it actually supposed to look like? What should be present, not just what should be absent? And, uh, and so I think that's that's a key step that again a lot of programs are missing when they just look at all right we got we got you out of your addiction, mm-hmm. but um, they're not moving you towards what wholeness is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is so so true. Julie, and just now when I was referring to our uh, sexual uh, problems, I was referring more to the the addict, the sexual addict, um, because uh, mm-hmm. in the groups I have experienced many, many, many of my fellows um, struggle with this very same thing, the post-porn sexuality. And uh, so what I see is that this journey from the pornography and the intimacy disorder, as uh, John um, 
Right, Patrick Carnes. Sure. Patrick Carnes mm-hmm. speaks about a, mm-hmm. the, the intimacy disorder. It is a, a together journey. It, it's not just the journey of one of the two people that are in a relationship, but it's a d- together journey and steps they need to put into place together. Uh, what are some of these steps that you would suggest? Well, a big step is is forgiveness and restoration. Mm. Uh, I don't really think you can work towards intimacy until you've done that. Mm. And that is not a one-time one time event where you say, I forgive you, let's move forward. Mm. Uh, because, you know, God has created the sexual relationship to mirror his covenant relationship mm. with us. And we see that throughout the Old Testament where the Old Testament prophets would say that when Israel was unfaithful by worshiping other gods, they consistently used language of being unfaithful to your spouse, of being mm. a harlot, of being an adulterer. And so God has created the sexual relationship so that when there is sexual infidelity of any kind, the wound is incredibly deep. Uh, it's, it's something that has broken trust and you can't just quickly say, mm. hey, let's move on, let's rebuild. And so the restoration process and forgiveness process for most couples is going to take maybe a year uh, to get through that, sometimes longer, just depending on uh, on how quickly the people, both individuals are, are working on these things. But uh, for, I think for a lot of couples, they even need to almost renew their vows and say, hey, we're recommitting to each other. We're starting We're starting anew. Um, and so there does have to be that sense of we work through the pain, we work through the anger, um, and we are ready to move forward. Uh, and then I think you do start over again. Mm. You don't fall back in the patterns you were in because uh, most likely, almost with certainty, your sex life was not a healthy one, even when your spouse didn't know about the pornography. Uh, and so it's not let's go back to where we were before this was discovered, but let's start all over again, mm. even with, um, in some cases, dating each other, with learning to touch each other, and uh, appreciate non-sexual touch uh, and not have it turn immediately to, oh, I have to have my needs met right now, Um, but really learning to cherish the gift of sex, uh, the gift of touch, uh, the gift of just the journey of intimate knowing. And uh, And so I think when couples really have that sense of we get to start this all over again, and with God's help and with a new commitment, there's, there's, a freedom from the shame uh, that that can cover you if you don't go through that steps. Yes, and it also starts with rebuilding of trust. That's starting all mm-hmm. over, right? Let's quickly take a break, and then we will continue after that. Sure, thank you, Julie. Um, one of the words I heard you using there was betrayed, um, and very often the spouse uh, or the partner of the sex addict um, um, feels very betrayed by the behavior of, of their partner. And when I was in active tradition, uh, addiction, <laughs> unfortunately not a tradition, uh, when I was in active addiction, uh, this is something that uh, one of the things I really regret for the betrayal I caused um, to Suki. How, how long and what type of steps can be put in place to try and reestablish trust and betrayal? move away from betrayal, well, thing, yeah. 
Yeah, I think one thing is to not put a time frame on it, mm. um, because because he the healing journey takes a while, and rebuilding trust takes a while. Mm. And so, if somebody tells you, "Oh, in a year's time, you guys should be good," and you're not there, and mm. there's a sense of discouragement. Mm. But what I would caution people to do is not rush it. Mm. And so, uh, you know, I would say at least six months or a year mm. in terms of that rebuilding rebuilding and rehabilitation process and sometimes much longer. Mm. Um, here's what I would say. Um, the person that has betrayed the marriage needs to be infinitely patient with mm. the person who has been betrayed. And so even if a year later, your wife is saying, I, I st- you know, I'm still not sure. Uh, I, I still, you know, sometimes fear this is going to happen again. Mm. Can I see your phone? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, can I have the password to this? The last thing you want to do is say, really, we've been through this. You know, mm-hmm. haven't I proven myself to you? Mm-hmm. Uh, you mm-hmm. really want to have that patience of, hey, listen, I get it. Uh, I hurt you so much and your heart is learning to trust again. And whatever it takes, whatever I need to do, I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, the counseling, accountability, if you want all my passwords, if you want you know, a, a GPS on me, so you know where I am, so you know I'm mm. telling the truth. Uh, you know that you you deserve to have that. If I'm going to ask you to trust me again, mm. and yes, there is an element to where a spouse needs to move past that eventually, where they're not paranoid anymore, they're mm. not driven by fear, and a counselor can help you discern when that should be taking place. But in the first few years, it's really, really appropriate. For, um, for that person to say, hey, this is what I need from you in order for me to start to trust you again. Yeah, and what I see in that is vulnerability. Mm. In other words, when the mm-hmm. addict can get to the point where they can say, I want to allow you to see into me and, and I want to be mm-hmm. vulnerable. Um, so do let's do whatever it takes uh, for me for us to get past this this uh, this problem. Mm-hmm, absolutely, and then Julie, I wanted yeah. to ask you about the partner because we were talking about the addict person who's struggling with the addiction now, but you were also saying it's a together journey of both of them. So what would you what um, advice or what what can you share with the partner who is struggling um, with um, uh, an addictive partner an, uh, with the person who, who's struggling with yeah. the addiction and what 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 yeah, role yeah. can that person play in the well, healing process I think, I think yeah I think first of all you know obviously a lot of the there's a lot of groups and support um, rightfully so around uh, the partner to deal with the betrayal, to deal with um, the woundingness, and uh, to work through the anger and learning to trust again, the forgiveness. So that is all very needed and appropriate. But I also think that we don't want that to happen in a vacuum Mm. because uh, as the partner, you have your own backstory. Mm. And your own backstory, your own history has played into where you are today. Now, I'm not saying it's your fault at, by any means, mm. but what I mean by that is, you know, let's say that, uh, let's say that growing up, your father cheated on your mother and, uh, and divorced your mother. And so you have a fear of abandonment and, uh, and you kind of, without even realizing it, sort of, uh, were so afraid of being abandoned, not, abandoned by your spouse that you, 
didn't confront things when they needed to be confronted. Or um, I'm just using an example. There's lots of examples of this. But if you don't begin looking at that fear of abandonment and how it was even reinforced by what your husband did, you might move towards forgiveness, but you're not moving towards wholeness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're not saying, God, where do you want to heal my heart? Mm-hmm. Not just from what happened in my marriage, mm-hmm. but from the wounds that I've been carrying around for many years. And even a disordered view of sex. You know, a lot of wives believe they have to give their husband sex mm. or their husbands are going to cheat on them. Mm. And they don't realize that God has created sex to be something for them to enjoy too. Mm. And mm. so that's a disordered view of sex. And so mm. God not only wants to heal the pornography issue, he wants both of you to have the right view of why he gave you this gift in the first place and what a healthy sex life is meant to be. Mm. Right, right. And therefore it's also important for the partner to be in a, a journey of recovery or a journey, a restoration journey. And we we always emphasize that um, at our program that it's crucial because I think so often um, it feels like it's easy for a partner to say, yes, but it's not my problem. <laughs> and in the process, right. we miss out because it's a dance. It's a dance between, in the, and maybe a part of a kind of a toxic dance between the person uh, uh, who's struggling with the addiction and, and uh, the, uh, the partner. And um, me as a partner um, in our recovery journey, that's all, more than 10 years long already. Um, I've seen and I've experienced that dance and it's not so easy to get out of that, but uh, it's a process. Like you said, it's a, it's a healing journey and it takes time and it's a, a constant, um, a constant steps that need to be taken towards wholeness. Mm. Uh, what I, what I'm saying, seeing, uh, Julie is that, uh, this dance, uh, in a couple's life is a very, very important dance, but that it is also a, a very close-knit dance between sexuality and spirituality as a couple. Um, what, what are some of your mm-hmm. thoughts on this? Well, I think that first and foremost, the spirituality is has to be individual. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, you know, marriage isn't, isn't a thing. <laughs> Marriage is a relationship between yes. two people. Mm. And and so I am bringing to my marriage my relationship with the Lord. And absolutely, like, my relationship with my husband impacts my relationship with God. But my, my relationship with God doesn't depend on my marriage, if that mm. makes sense. Yes, the yes, other way yes. around. Mm, right. And so I think when we talk about growing spiritually as a couple— and one of the things that a crisis like uh, pornography addiction will do is it makes you face uh, how much you need Jesus, both mm-hmm. of you. And, mm-hmm. like, and it's not a marriage thing. It's a, God, I'm not going to survive the day without you. Mm-hmm. And when, when both people can get to that place where they are no longer depending on each other for all their happiness, for all their security, mm-hmm. but they've learned to depend on God, then as a couple, they can start to grow together in that. And they can, they can become healing to one another. They can become life-giving to each other. Mm. And then they can begin doing what you're doing, which is now we're going to share that comfort with other people, the mm. comfort we've received from God. Mm-hmm. As a couple, now we're on mission together. 
Um, and so it's a beautiful thing when God, and I know you had said you've worked with Jonathan Darty and had him on the show. His story is so beautiful. And he talks about how he and his wife, Elaine, were separated for almost a year. Mm. And God was doing deep work in both of their hearts. Mm-hmm. He wasn't working on them together. He was healing them separately. Mm. And so that when they were able to reunite, it was two people who were dependent on the Lord um, and not dependent on one another. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, that's a key distinction. Absolutely. We also had our own separation. We call it a healing separation journey. <laughs> and part of yes, it, it's so true yeah. what you're saying, because uh, we actually, when we look back, we can see, and I think for many people, that marriage almost becomes a false god, and that it's yeah. not about the marriage, but, but that, and it's also so true what you're saying, it's reverberating through the 12 steps and um, the promises for those people that are in recovery groups that says, one of the promises says that I will look back and not regret my past and I, I will see that, I will be thankful for that. And Frederick and I, by the grace of God, are really there where we can increasingly thank God mm-hmm. because it brought us to such a deep understanding of how much we need Him on a day-to-day basis just to get through the day. Mm-hmm. And um, as, yeah. well as, as well as how we can be of service to others. Right. And to, yeah. as you said from uh, 2 Corinthians 1, um, 11 or 3, I think that says, to be a comfort to others that are facing yeah. many types of trials. I think it's first, uh, the first chapter. Mm-hmm. No, oh, what yeah. a privilege it's been uh, to talk to you. Thank you very much for being with us on the program. Um, I, w- I just want to remind the listeners, um, you can listen to um, Java with Julie. It's a podcast. I continue to listen because I continue to learn from her as we we present this program. And thank you so much for being with us. And you can also go back um, to the Cape Pulpit website, um, our dear friends, listeners, and you can go um, to Into Me See Podcasts. And look at, if you miss the previous interview we had with Dr. Julie, you can look it up there. And uh, yeah, it's been a privilege because, Dr. Julie, I know you are more and more becoming a world-renowned specialist on the topic of biblical sexuality. And um, it's just been great being with you. So keep warm because we know it's winter there right now. We're in the middle of summer. And of course, keep safe. It's been great to have you. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your questions to Frederick Suki at kpulpit.co.za. Frederick Suki, one word, F-R-E-D-E-R-I-K-S-O-E-K-I-E at kpulpit.co.za. Let's connect next week. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit on 729 AM. Visit us on www.kpulpit.co.za.